calling people out is special. You know that by now, right? Because I don't think it does people good. Human nature can't handle it. Um, David, would you stand up? Emma, Amy, Davinas, just stand up. It took these guys two hours to get here. Yeah. Round of applause. Well done. And every Sunday, they come a very long way. And these, that used to be kids, I was going to say kids. These young ladies here are sitting in the back of that car every week. Okay? And I want to say, we appreciate you. Especially on days where it's London Marathon. We appreciate you. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Hallelujah. As as, uh, Pastor said, this is a missions-minded church. And I, I want to warn you guys. You can be in this church for the rest of your life and not be missions-minded. Right? Being in McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. You know the way it goes. Being in this church, even though it's the most effective mission church on the planet, the, the, and there's benefits for membership here, but you may never experience those and you could live with that blind spot all your life it's absolutely true this is mission sunday we do this sunday twice a year and it's it's a sunday which i think is very valid and viable around the world our churches focus on these three things how am i how are you praying for missions just answer that question yourself shobani here has a passion for cambodia God has put a nation in her heart. Now, for me, that should be happening with every person. Amen. There should be no exceptions. You should have connected and received something from God for something. Uh, Psalm 1, ask of me and I will give you the nations. So there's something here. Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So if you don't have that passion, I want you to consider your prayer life, as Pastor Kweku so well said yesterday. What about giving? Not your tithe. The tithe supplies the local church. How's my giving internationally? Something that I don't personally receive a benefit for. Something I send away. VFC Singapore, $7 million a year, I think. We're going overseas. Not to do with VFC Singapore. To go overseas that they may never see any fruit from. It's a real investment. And then ultimately to go. So I've personally come through this list. I began by praying, absolutely, moved into giving to the point of bankrupting myself. And then God has sent me many places, and I have seen the progression of this. So I challenge you, and I challenge myself to today, Mission Sunday, I want to do today a little bit differently, okay? You'll have been through Sundays like this many times, where we talk about nations, and that's perfectly fine. Today, I don't want to do that. I want to talk about you, Mason's Church member. I want to talk about you and your personal commitment to this, almost like do a personal inventory or audit of myself. And I want to, I pray that God speaks to you today, okay? On any one of these three. We're going to give at the end and talk about that. But I pray that you receive a word today that can change your future amen and that somehow you spiritually connect with missions i've chosen jonah as our person of study today because he's a cracking example of missions did jonah want to go to missions (laughs) jonah absolutely did not want to go anywhere especially to nineveh now eyes forward please Let me just say a little thing. What I'm about to say is very important. Don't underestimate Jonah. Jonah was the man. The nation was, the the kings of Israel were going to change, right? There was going to be a change in power. And the next king was going to actually gain the land back. He was going to be successful. He was going to drive out the enemies and, and, and Israel was going to be established. Jonah, before that happened, listen to this. Before this happens, Jonah the prophet goes to the king And he says, King, you're going to be deposed. The next king is going to come in. And under the next king, this is the word of the Lord. We will gain our land back. Guess what happened? Exactly that. 
So Jonah was a man of prestige, a man with an established ministry, a man who was financially comfortable. Wouldn't you be if you helped the king? He was very well established. He had a very good public profile. And I want you to think about your public image. How are you perceived? How do people perceive you? He was perceived very well. He was successful, and all of that is genuine. Now, imagine his comfort and his security. And into that, he gets a word from the Lord, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Nineveh is the ISIS of the day. Anybody here fancy going to reach ISIS? Amen? People do. People do. I met one guy who was in Abbottabad, where Osama bin Laden was killed. He was a... He's a, he still is, still a, is a missionary there. I felt this small when he was telling us his story. It was, I tell you, you could hear a pin drop in that room, Tim, full of pastors. And this guy's in that village, and he told the story of before bin Laden was killed and how the missionaries, some missionaries were killed. And this is what he said. Every single Christian left. Not a single person was left in Pakistan, in Abbottabad. Every international agency from America, get the next plane, get out. Calling them all back because of legal, you know, legal constraints. Every missionary withdrawn. And that man found himself completely alone. He ran a school. They went in with AK-47s, two of his children in the school, and sprayed the school. His son was in a car, something like 40, 50 bullet holes in the car, and his son lived. And he was standing before us. Missions, you see. And he said, I decided not to leave. Imagine that. God called me to these people. And I decided not to leave. And he said his testimony was supernatural. He said, they know who I am. They know what I do. And any day they want, they can come and put a bullet through my head. But for some supernatural reason, they look at me. And they just walk on. Hallelujah. God has his man even in that place. And I think it makes, I mean, it makes me look almost lost. You know what I mean? In comparison to that, where is my commitment? Where is my sacrifice? And where is my love for God? And maybe in a different way in our nation, we're going to face troubles and problems. But the ISIS of Jonah's day was Nineveh. These were a torturous people. In fact, they were experts in torture. They had a pile, a famous pyramid of skulls of their captives, many of whom were, I mean, I come from Belfast, a war zone, and they have a famous saying in Belfast, any person you meet in Northern Ireland will have a relative who will be, have been killed somewhere, either a distant relative, but every family is touched somehow through 30 years of war. Same for Israel and Nineveh. So the Ninevites had tortured and killed Jonah's relatives. And here's God saying, Jonah, I want you to up sticks and I want you to go to reach these people. Now, I want you to think about that a moment. <laughs> How do you feel about that? How do you feel about loving your enemies? How do I feel about that? I got to be careful. Yesterday in church history, one of the really important points to me about the first 400 years was that love. Love was the characteristic of the early church. Not aggression, not any of those things, but actually it was love that characterized Stephen in the book of Acts. It was love that caused the spread of the gospel, and that is a fact. And do I love the lost? And that's what I want to look at today. Four, four simple points of introduction to the life of Jonah. Listen to this, guys. Point one. Jonah loved God, but Jonah struggled with God. Anybody been there? <laughs> Do you love God? Do you struggle with God sometimes? I absolutely, eyes forward. Is, don't you think it's a bit embarrassing to be a mature, like you, Janet? You're a mature woman of God. Okay? Been around a long time. Walked with the Lord a long time. Is it embarrassing for you to say, I struggle? It may be a little bit embarrassing. You may think, I shouldn't be saying this. All right? But it's okay to say that. I, I've been in ministry full-time a long time. 
And I tell you, folks, I struggle with the, th- the things that happen to me. Because why? Sorry, where did that come from? Because I don't understand. I don't understand. This happened and I don't get it. And that causes me to struggle with the Lord. Sometimes I think, why me? Do you ever think you're being picked on? <laughs> why me? The hands are going up. <laughs> why me? Right? And that can make you so. I love you, Lord, but... And then this one's a big one. It's not fair. Look at him. Look at her. And look at him. It's not fair. And I, I can remember in my history coming to a conclusion. Do you know what? It's not fair. It's not fair. And my problem is I think it is. But the fact of this life is it's not fair. And the sooner I accept that there's an enormous amount of unfairness that I'm going to experience, the happier I'll be. So don't try and fight this one. You will not win that battle. Life is not fair. I'm disappointed because I had this expectation. Maybe you had a false prophecy. Someone spoke to you and said, you're going to do this, you're going to be that, this is what you are, whatever, false prophecies. And then they never came to pass, and you're disappointed, but that false prophet, since we're talking about prophets, you should be disappointed in them and not the Lord, because he never said that. Disappointment. Theology, this is massive. Can you lose your salvation? Blah, 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 blah. Well, how can, I, how can I worship a God? I'm struggling. I love the Lord, but I'm struggling. You say there's a hell? I'm struggling. How can a God of love have a hell? Theology. I love the Lord, but I'm struggling with God. Amen? It's okay. It's okay to struggle with God. Sickness. And I was thinking last night, it's a sad story. When I was in college in Singapore... One of our lecturers there, the guy called Philip Cow, he doesn't work for VFC anymore. Very nice man. A very happy man. And he told us this story about his life, about something that happened to him that he doesn't understand. So Philip, you may know, remember, he, he's driving, he's got two beautiful children, they're in the back of the car, and he, he described the day. He said, got up, normal day. And man, I love my wife, my wife loves me, I love my kids. And we get in the car. And he says, I can remember to this minute the chirpy little happy children in the back. Like a movie. And down we go. They were going somewhere in Singapore. And then he said, and then it happened. Boom. Car crash. Completely out of the blue. Totally unexpected. Thank God no one was killed. But severely injured. And it took months and months for recuperation. Don't understand. Why me? Well, that's not fair. I'm a bit disappointed in protection, Lord. How does the theology of this stuff work? Why am I sick? Why why am I going to go to hospital? A bit disappointed, Lord. I would love to say that the day would come when this would no longer be a problem. But point two says exactly the opposite. The more you serve God the greater that struggle may be, okay? So in the early stages, maybe you're a bit deluded or whatever, but the longer you... Okay, answer this question. Did the Apostle Paul have greater struggles at the end of his ministry or the beginning? Oh, at the end. Eyes forward. When you start to serve the Lord, you will have persecution. But if you choose to continue, that will increase. And that's a promise. You're going to get more rejection, more misrepresentation, okay? All of the things that go with the pastoral role, you're going to be lied about, persecuted. All of that is coming your way if you continue. And in Paul's case, ultimately, murder was the root cause and spirit behind it, okay? So you make your mind up. This is a really, this is a really funny thing. Uh, listen, this is a secret, another secret. So I'm sitting with this woman, and she says to me, give me a word from the Lord. And when people say, I get that all the time, when people say that to me, I say, no, you don't just demand, don't just talk to God like that. Who do you think you're talking to? You know, I don't say no. If I feel something, I'll say it. 
But this person trusted me and said, give me a word from the Lord. The trouble with me in this, in this instance was I instantly had a word before she even finished speaking. Um, but the word was incredibly negative. Did you ever be sorry, sorry you asked the question? <laughs> so she said, give me a word. And so I've already, oh, I thought, okay, I've got one. And I told her what she was expecting the following week, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to happen. What you just said to me just now, it's not going to happen next week. So I've got seven days. In seven days, either I'm correct or I'm a false prophet. <laughs> so it was a very short time frame. So off she goes to another country, and I'm waiting for the phone call. Because the prophecy I gave her is your world's going to turn upside down next week. Thanks very much. <laughs> so off she goes. No phone call. Month one, month two. Isn't it strange when you say something to someone like that, they don't call you? What's going on then? And it was actually about six months. And then another issue came up, and that lady had to call me, Skype actually. Hi. Oh, hello. Long time. No here. And Oh, yeah, yeah. Your word you gave me. Yeah, it happened. The, the, the following week. Everything just like you said. Oh. You could have called me. You know why not? This is you. And some Christians, see that word for her? That was enough. It's a bit scary, that. She was scared by the word. And some Christians, when they start hearing from, do you know what? Tell your prophets to be quiet. It's in your scripture. Tell the prophets to prophesy no more. I'm going to delude myself and live in a fantasy land, make up my prophecies, and live my own life, my own. I don't want to ask this God anymore. I'm frightened of him. And I didn't say that to her, but the reason you didn't call me is because that frightens you and you want actually control of your life. You say you're seeking the Lord for a word, but when you got one, you don't want another one. Hello. Other people are different. And they seek more. The Apostle Paul is one. Jonah's not. Okay? So when you hear from God, it challenges you. Especially if it's perceived as negative. I never see it as negative. Nor did Christ, by the way. Whatever it is, it's positive. The cross is positive. Because that has an outcome. So no matter what it is, when it comes from God, take it. No matter what that is, receive it. So where are you in this? Are you avoiding his word, pretending to seek it? Very common disposition. Have I been frightened off by the things that I've heard? Don't be. The point one, Jonah was a mature man but still struggled with God. Point two, I want you to be aware the more you serve God, the greater your struggle may be. Okay? The promise is not in that sense, health and wealth kind of gospel. That's not what Jesus taught, right? Isn't that correct? It's not what I believe in prosperity. But as you follow him... Quite the reverse was promised as we, especially with missions, invade a fallen world. Number three, expect God's love for the lost to disturb your status quo. Those of you with families, your children, you're getting them up on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. Do they want to come to church sometimes? No. But you as parents, your love for God upsets their world. And you bring them with you. You're going. Right? Amen? It's not much different with God. And your heavenly Father's love for the lost is going to upset your life. He's going to take you. You're going whether you like it or not. And that's a bit of like what happened Jonah, right? You're going, Jonah, because there's a need here. The Bible is full of people whose lives were turned upside down. Peter was, had a successful fishing business. It had to close, right? Matthew had a successful tax business. The biggest church in Liverpool is a good guy. Um, that's six medical doctors, six doctors working in a hospital. And they had a little prayer meeting. And then from the prayer meeting, they had to resign. All six resigned their work and went to Liverpool. I have, praise the Lord. Nick Harding obeyed the word. He said, we're all to leave. And they did leave. And it's became about 600 strong church in the center of Liverpool. Powerful, powerful church. Amen. 
That upset their plans, didn't it? That upset the apple cart a little bit. Who will go? Who will go? Peter had to leave and move on. Matthew had to leave and move on. Luke was a doctor. The Gospel of Luke. He had to leave and move on. Eyes forward. Many people struggle with letting go of the old. And so they can never receive the new. You've got something, whatever that is. And you can't let it go. Look at my fist here. When, when God puts something in your hand, you never close that hand. Never grip anything. This is the only disposition before the Lord. And everything in your life, everything, he can place and he can remove any time he likes. As soon as you start this, you're going to have a lot of unnecessary pain. You've got to be willing to let go of many things. Now, I'm prophesying right now, I know, in this room. Some of you have a big problem with this. Moving on. Moving on in life and letting God add new things. Okay? Not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. But it is necessary. Just because I'm mature doesn't mean I don't struggle, point one. If I do choose to follow God further, it's going to get harder. Expect God to upset my apple cart. And point four, God loves me more than the work I do. Amen. And God loves you more than the work. You know the difference in Jonah and the other prophets? The book of Isaiah is a message. All right? The book of Jeremiah is a message. Ezekiel's a message. Nahum is a message. But the book of Jonah is not a message. It's about a man. And even though 120,000 people get saved, you don't hear much about it. Because the book is not about that. It's about you. It's about the missionary and not so much the mission. It's not about them, them, them. But it's about me and the work that needed to be carried out in Jonah. I have to say, guys, work that was never done. Work that was never completed, even though he responded, you know, somewhat reluctantly, but responded. Let me explain the conclusion at the bottom of your page there. Recognize that whatever you have in this world is very temporary. Amen. Eyes forward, please. Sorry, I need you with me here. You see your house that you live in, someone else is going to live in your house. Someone else is going to live. You're not going to live there forever. Amen? Someone else is going to have your house, not you. The clothes you wear, you're not going to have them long. The car you drive, it will either be sold or it will be scrapped. Everything you own will disappear. It's all the job you have. You're not going to have it long. And even for those of you who are married, that man is not yours forever. That woman is not yours forever. In heaven, there's no Jew, no Greek, no husband, no wife. Your children are temporary. Only yours temporarily. Their lives eternally belong to God. This is a very very brief life and the more I remind myself of that the better for me I lived in Scotland for 10 years 15 years England is lowlands whether you're aware of it or not Scotland is highlands when you go to Scotland you go up may up to Scotland even in Glasgow it's it's much higher than here and then you can go way up higher again and you may have heard the term scotch mist you heard that term no obviously (laughs) Scotch mist is a real thing. It's, it's wonderful. I love it. Uh, it's because you're in high ground. And what happens is, if you look at the mist and you see the mist, it's beautiful. You go to get your phone to take a picture. See when you look back? Gone. It's a phenomenon. But I like it. It's okay. It's not a fly. <laughs> so you know you. Your existence. James 
sums it up. You're watching? This is going to be your life. Did you miss it? Do you want me to do it again? Sorry, can't do it again. You only get one. Incredibly brief. Incredibly brief. And so the decisions I make about this brief, quit putting off to tomorrow the decisions you should make today. Amen. Amen. Recognize in my conclusion on Jonah and Jonah's life, I need to recognize that every single solitary thing in my life is momentary, like a vapor, temporary, and that needs to change my attitude. Secondly, I learned from Jonah that I need to keep my dreams on the altar. Jonah's one of those people, I was thinking through just off my head this morning, who got a second chance? Jonah got a second chance, right? Jonah chapter 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So he blew it the first time and God came back to him a second time. Abraham was many times, wasn't it? The word of the Lord came back to Abraham because he went with Terah. Moses killed the Egyptians. God came back a second time. Good God, amen? Peter in the doorway, God came back a second time. And he is a good, good God as we sang. And what about you? Are you open for that or is it no more? (laughs) Amen? Are you open for that? Are you available for that? And that's really... My conclusion on this mission Sunday to practice availability and to say, do you know what, God, this is not easy because I'm struggling with the things of my life. But this morning, I make myself available. Be that to pray, be that to give, or be that to go. I recognize my life is temporary. Sarah, uh, that's an wife, was sharing in here a number of weeks ago. I thought it was a great testimony. She said, I got up last week and I prayed this prayer before I left the house. I said, God, today I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit. I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit. So no matter what you tell me to do, I'm going to say yes. And she said she had a very interesting day because God would say, go and speak to this person. Go and do that. She was practicing availability. And in reality, I just asked myself, Am I available for more? Are you available for more? Can God upset your apple cart, Tim? Can he turn everything upside down? Or like Jonah, am I going to struggle? Struggle's okay. My last point is my most important thing, and it's really the one thing I want to say to you today. Eyes with me, please. Stay with me in Jesus' name. I want to continue from what we said last week. I don't know about you, Janet. But see in here on Wednesday, it's powerful. It was powerful. Many people came Wednesday night. And I come many Wednesdays. But I'll say this about Wednesday. I turned around at one point and there's tears flooding down people's faces. Janet was flat out here on the floor. And, you know, I, I looked around and I thought, you know what? There's nothing left of human beings in here. The Lord's in. God's in. Thank you, Jesus. And the the, the spirit of the living God, like, praise God, disappeared. Let me make a few comments about Jonah in addition to what I said last week about deceit and about self-righteousness. Jonah was famous, successful, comfortable, all of these things. And he was the man who brought the word for the nation, right? He told the king it was him. Now, can you imagine being Jonah? Oh, there's Jonah. Famous Jonah. Jonah loves the Ninevites. Do you know that that's the prophet who brought the word to the king? Do you know that that's the man who loved the lost so much that 120,000 people, you see his reputation? And everybody thought Jonah was fantastic. Listen to me now. As a young man, I think he probably received the praise. There's nothing to say he didn't. And as a young man, he'll, yeah, uh, yes, I love the Ninevites. Yes, I went there. Oh, I couldn't wait to get there. And the best fact about the book of Jonah, the best thing about the book of Jonah for me, is that he wrote it as an older man, I believe. 
I'll tell you why. Because a younger man wouldn't write it. You know what the younger man would say? I did that. And Jonah's getting on in years and on in years. And the good thing about growing old in years, some of you will know I don't know yet, but the good thing about growing older is you no longer need what you used to need. You don't, you don't need the position, you don't need the title, you don't need, the, you don't need it anymore. And Jonah got older, and the wonderful thing about the book, he decided to tell the truth. And instead of appearing to have a righteousness that he did not have and did not deserve, but he'd lived under that, that sun for, for many false years, before he ended his life, you can almost hear him thinking, do you know what? Before I die, I'm going to do one, at least one good thing. And I'm going to tell the world that there was nothing righteous in me. So he tells the whole truth about the story. Number one, I didn't even want to go. I'm so selfish. It was all about me. Number two, when I got it there, when I got there, I, I still hated them. I didn't like them. I didn't like the Ninevites. Then it was all over. 120,000 people said, who cares? Then God made a tree grow up. Then the, the tree went down. And do you know the last thing God said to me? Jonah, you still don't care. And not only do I care about the people, but I care even about the cattle as well. Wow. Thanks, Jonah. Good book. Amen? A true revelation. A really good insight into ministry. So, okay, Jonah, in your early years, your heart was hard. You didn't love the lost, even though you were successful in ministry. But at least by the end of your days, you put it all straight. Pastor Tim's going to come in a moment and talk to us a little bit about missions. Before he does that, just take a look at this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, there's a group of bad people. They hate you. They want to kill you. I want you to sacrifice everything and go. And Jonah said, no. No, don't want to go. In Isaiah, Isaiah records the conversation between God the Father and God the Son. There's a human race. It's fallen bad people. Scripture says the lost hate God. They're going to kill you. I want you to sacrifice all and go. And Jesus says, he says, here am I. Send me the ultimate missionary. All right? The ultimate missionary. The one, the example that we follow. How little we bring. What? How little he asks us for. And yet we struggle in the beginning of Jonah's ministry, he was a selfish, self-centered person. At the end of the book or the end of the Ninevites, he's still a self-centered, selfish person. It's underpinning every decision he makes. But it's only, I believe, in his latter years that he comes clean. and says, God, change my heart. So I want you, and I pray in the name of Jesus, that God put a nation or nations in your heart. And as you begin to obey this, you will begin to move. Money's going to be involved, folks. I promise you that's true. Finance is going to be involved. What we do today is we give a missions faith pledge. Your tithe is something you give, okay? It's, your, it's something you do. There's things that God does, and there's things that we do. Okay, two different lists, very different lists. Your tithe is something you do. But see the faith pledge? Sorry, I haven't given them away. Thank you. See this faith pledge? This is very different. This is something God does through me. Different thing. Supernatural. And I want you today do an audit. Do an audit. Do I pray? Have I been in a missions church? Philip, Philip. Not you, Philip. Philip, Philip. Have you been here all these years? 
and you still don't know me. Really? I pray that God puts a prayer of nation or nations on your heart. And I pray that today you put down on this a financial amount that he gives you. Do you get that? That God gives you supernaturally to provide through to you for one reason, missions. The expansion of the kingdom. Not this house outside of ourselves, beyond these walls. And ultimately, this is, this is my ultimate goal, is that you yourself would receive a personal call to go into whatever ministry or mission God has got for you. Amen? Amen. Father, I ask you for that grace this morning upon us as a congregation. Or whatever nations you want to put into people's heart, would you prophesy in this room and burden us. We open up to receive it. We open up to you to receive your word and your burden of intercession for nations. Father, for the giving part, as our tithe leaves our accounts, we seek you this morning for your, what you want to give through us for the mission of the church globally. And ultimately, Father, to go. Go to our workplaces and be the evangelist and the light there. Go to our neighborhoods. But would you grace us and send us to go? I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for delivering the word of God, reminding each one of us the importance of mission. Although at times we may not feel like it, like Jonah, but if we pull ourselves together, God can be glorified. Amen? The heartbeat of God is mission. That's what I believe. A heartbeat of God is love for the lost. And as a mission church, ourselves started by the missionaries from 12 different nations around 19 years ago, came to this country, supported, paid by Singapore Church. And London Family Center is formed. If it wasn't because of the mission heart of the church in Singapore, this church will not be here. You and I will not be standing here. I won't be standing here. But we thank God. Thank God. The church in Singapore believed in the heartbeat of God, which is the mission, God's love for the lost. And if you and me, if we don't understand and do it, who else will do it? So, please, before you write down, think about it, um, and then you can write it. Pray, give, and go is what we say. And uh, as Pastor said, rightly adopt a nation into your heart sometimes we can be so busy with our own things around in our own communities in our own countries but has God put a nation in your heart have you been praying for any countries or any nations if you haven't I think it is important to find one and of course like any mission I was in India three weeks ago some of the missionaries there they were living, their, you know, their monthly incomes was less than 60 pounds. And I looked at them and I was like, Tch. some of the food that they were eating, the mission that team that I was in there for the few days, the food that they had, and I said, God, how privileged I am. The, and, and they are happily serving. They're happily serving. So uh, money needs in the mission. Money is very important. And also, if God has put a call into your heart, don't wait to get old. Because when you become a missionary, when you're at old age, it's quite difficult to adjust in the mission field, right? Uh, I've been on a mission when I was younger. I worked with youth with the mission when I was like 18, 19 years old. It was much easier. But if you ask me to go to another nation today, I am 40 plus, so adjusting, I found it myself, you know, I, when I reached the mission place, mission team in India, I did a video FaceTime with my wife. My wife said, oh, show me where you're sleeping. I showed 
you know, there was some moth. They were like the bed was squeaky. And show the toilet. My wife said, oh, my God, are you going to really sleep in there? I said, of course. I did that many years ago. Just because today I have the luxury of living in a better bed doesn't mean I'm going to abandon the rest of them and book. It was very tempting to book a hotel. I thought there's AC, there's going to be. But then I told myself, no, there are other missionaries sleeping with me. So I said, you know what, I'm going to get stuck in here. So if God has put a call in your heart to go, don't wait. When you're young, receive it and go. When you're old, you might go, but it's not going to be that ECS when you're young, and that's out of my experience. And uh, before we give, may I just remind you of around seven years ago, we took a team, we sent a team from this church to Nepal, and uh, one of them is Sister Sangeetha. We went there, we hired a building, cost the money, and all that. But today, Yesterday, I sent. Uh, I mean, I'm, we constant in touch with Pastor and myself. We're going, we're planning to go somewhere in October, but we're constantly in touch with them. And today, they have around sixty members, young people going off. You know, going in the in the midst of all the difficulties, they're still you know going forward. Uh, we had Adrian last week go and preach in the church. Last week, uh, yesterday, Saturdays we have services. Yesterday, we had a Good News FM. Um, uh, one of the guys who we brought here for the media team, he went and preached. He said it was very wonderful. So it is all because a few years back, you reached out to your pocket. You went down on your knees. And some of us, we said, God, I will go. And we went. And today, the 60 or the 50 people that is saved there, excluding the children, these are the products of what we did a few years back. So mission... Winning another soul is the greatest achievement in this world, I believe. And partly because I came as a missionary, and uh, you know, a mission is in my heart all the time. I know I have two daughters, wife to take care, I have to work, not easy, but that is something, it's my passion. If there is a, a mission trip that needs to be made, I'll be the first one to go. And uh, you know, it's not easy, but love for the loss, reaching out to people who, are, who don't have the privilege. I think that's a very important. And as a church, may we have that mentality in our hearts. Mission, the heartbeat of God. Winning the souls that are lost. Amen. Thank you. Father, we thank you for this afternoon. We remind ourselves through the story of Jonah, who later age, he became truthful. He decided to leave this testimony for us so that we may not make the same mistake. He came clean. And today we want to also come clean before you. At times you have asked us to pray but failed. At times you have asked us to give but we gave it to wrong places. We failed. Sometimes we didn't even act on it. At times you have asked us to go, but instead we sat down because we're comfortable where we are. So pray that this morning that you will bring that conviction within our hearts. That we will adopt a nation. We will pray for that unreached area. We will give out of sacrifice so somebody might get a chance to hear the goodness of Christ who came, died, and resurrected. Who is coming back again. Pray that, Lord, give us that conviction within us so that, Lord, we will act to the call that you have called us to go to the nation. If any one of us in here has a call, but yet still we're sitting down on it, I pray that you bring a greater, deeper conviction. That this person will not be comfortable sleeping, not comfortable eating, until and unless go to the nation that God has called this person. I pray that, Lord, bring these convictions within our hearts. As we make decisions to give something into your nation, as get, um, out of our faith for the nations, we pray that, Lord, we will not act out of our emotions, out of our feelings, but with the conviction, we will write it down. And out of this money, may the goodness of Jesus reach to unrich people 
reach to the unprivileged people who have the desires and, and the willingness to hear, but nobody has gone there. So out of this money, I pray that, Lord, may you motivate some people, that we will send it to the right place. Out of this, people will go to that areas, and the goodness will be preached. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that, Jesus, you were the greatest missionary. You left your comfortable place, left your throne, came down so that I can hear the good news, so that I can be saved. And I pray that, Lord, today you will give us the same hard desires, that we will not be comfortable until we pray, until we give, until we go ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. You can... Thank you, Jesus. So we have a faith pledge um, piece of paper. I'm sure everyone of us Everyone of us has received. And if you haven't received, uh, put your hands up so the ushers can give you. And it says faith pledge. And there's two, two parts, the dotted line, the, the bigger one and the smaller one. You, can, you write down your name, your surname, and the amount you want to give per month. And then you have your own to remind yourself. Put it in your Bible, in your wallet. Per month how much you have pledged to give. So once you give every month, you can tick first box, second box, uh, first month, second month. So we are in the month of May. If you decide to give, uh, let's say you pledge 600 pounds, if you decide to give 100 pounds today, you can tick one, one, and then you have remaining five months. So faith pledges, um, Pastor Rick Seward said, I always, always remember, he said, faith pledge is not something that you can afford easily. If it's 10 pounds a month, it's not a faith. He said, faith pledge means something that you think that after all calculation of the bills, this and that, there's 10 pounds left. So that's what I'm going to pledge. If, if you pledge that 10 pounds, he said, this is not a faith pledge. Faith pledge means that something that you can't afford, but you say, God, I challenge you. I will do my best, but rest you open the door. But if it's 10 pounds left, maybe faith pledge will be 100 pounds or 50 pounds to some, depending on your faith. So faith pledge is not five pounds that you can afford easily or one pound. If you write down one pound, to be honest, I can say this because I'm not a senior pastor. Don't even bother writing down. Pastor Gospel used to say that quite often. He said... Some people put one penny a month. What a faith pledge is that? Faith pledge means have a faith. Say, God, I serve a living God. Out of my faith pledge, with my prayer and with my, you know, asking God to provide so that this money will go to the mission field. The people will be blessed. You send one penny, it's going to do nothing. You send one pound, it's going to do much, not much. But a faith pledge is something. Even the younger ones, I'll challenge you. Those who are on a school in a uni have faith and place something to God. Sometimes we think this is only for the oldest, older ones, father and mother, but also teach your children if they are big enough to make that sense. You know, they get allowances. Uni students, you get uh, student loans. So I don't want to expand much, but please, faith pledge is something that you got to have faith. Amen. So I'll give you two minutes. Just think through, close your eyes, or as Joe placed gently, um, rethink through it if you have written it out of without much thinking. Faith pledge is something that you must put faith and ask God that God give me that ability. I need one as well. Yeah. So think through. We're not giving this money for our local church, not for London Family Center here, but this money that is collected per month is going to go to a mission field. As I said earlier, 
out of our giving six, seven years ago, there are like 50, 60 people. In fact, more than 50, 60 people has accepted. One time, I myself, I baptized around 12 people. And the pastor Peter baptized around 15 people. And there, you know, and there are some people waiting to be baptized when pastor and myself, we go. And it is all because of our giving and our prayers and our going. And there are other uh, mission fields that we have also working into it. Um, this is because I'm telling you about the Nepal because that's where I'm responsible. So, thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this privilege. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us, we may not be able to travel, but your money can travel. Your money can bring the good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please keep half of the, the smaller sheet with you. Uh, keep it in your wallet, in your Bible, so that every month we remind ourselves. I know London is such a busy place, we forget, but I believe uh, there will be reminders every, every month uh, to keep up with our faith pledges. God bless you for being obedient. God bless you for taking a step of faith. God bless you in your difficulty. You yet uh, cooperated with the church um, and decided to give. Amen. Thank you. All right, we're almost to the end of our worship. It's almost one o'clock. Thank you so much for being patient. Uh, I, I really believe that we've all been blessed through the teaching and also the opportunity to give something to the kingdom of God and also by worshiping God. So finally, before we end, before we go towards our home, before we go for our refreshments, tea and coffee, shall we all stand on our feet and worship team if you can give us a one last song. Um, we'll all worship and then we'll make our way to our, our homes. Thank you.